This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to Get Started Investing. In this podcast, we cover all the basics that you need to start your investing journey. Are you joining us for the first time or is this the very start of your investing journey? Well, before you dive into this episode, uh, our feed is designed to go from the very beginning. So we strongly recommend you scroll up and start at episode one. If you're feeling brave and just want to dive in though, don't let us stop you. Here at Get Started Investing, we unpack all the jargon and the confusing bits, hear your investing stories with the goal of making investing less intimidating. And of course, along the way, we like to have a good old time. My name is Bryce, and as always, I am joined by my equity buddy, Alec. (laughs) That's going to confuse everyone. How's it going? (laughs) I'm good. Look, I'm a little bit worse for wear. Um, For people that follow us very closely, or actually people that just follow us on Instagram, um, we have been away for about a week um, celebrating your 30th. Yes. People are probably sick of hearing about your 30th <laughs> yeah, now. It's done. Not, not just your 30th. A bunch of our mates turned 30. We did a big combined thing. Uh, I was sick going into the weekend. I'm more sick coming out of it. So, Partied too hard. Um, this might be a Bryce Lesky heavy episode today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine with that. I guess it'll be a short one. Um, Yes, it was a really fun, uh, really fun week. So uh, you have come off a little worse for wear. So take it easy this weekend and hopefully uh, you'll be back raring to go next week. So the lesson from that is you can, uh, if if you want to invest, you can still have fun. You can still have weekends away. Yes. (laughs) Well, the markets are closed on the weekend. And no one there was doing the fire movement. (laughs) No one there was doing the fire movement. Uh, And look, the reason uh, I did call you Alec is because I have recognized that uh, there are a lot of people who might be joining us for the first time who will think that your name is Ren and... uh, it's it's not. Yeah, but that's always been the case. <laughs> I know, but I just I just thought I didn't even know if you like n- people not knowing that your name is actually Alec. I like people thinking there's three people in the room. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I speak enough for two people. Yes, right. <laughs> now, before we get stuck, oh, well, let's let's talk about what we're talking about today. Yeah. Um, so we are continuing with the theme of the these like investing chapters. Um, we've done investing styles. We've done assets. Uh, This chapter that we're kicking off today is all about mistakes. Yes. Investing mistakes that we have done ourselves, learnt some hard lessons. Uh, Also, some uh, mistakes that plenty of our community members in the Equity Mates community have also made. Uh, And I guess the idea is over the next couple of episodes, we're going to talk about the common investing mistakes with some examples in this one, and then have a look uh, next week at some cognitive biases. Yeah. Introduce what cognitive bias means so don't worry if you're not familiar with that term yeah um but at the root of many an investing mistake is this idea of a cognitive bias so this one uh this episode we're going to have a bit of fun with um we went out to the community and we uh asked for some of their investing mistakes we're going to share some of ours we've tried to group them um 
but yeah, we'll talk about a bunch of investing mistakes and then next week we'll build on that with a discussion around the root of many of these investing mistakes. Yes. So the key message that we really want to get across here is, well, firstly, A, uh, learn from what we're going to talk about. So hopefully you don't repeat the mistake. Yeah. But <laughs> the look, we've all made mistakes. Even Warren Buffett is still today saying that he's made investing mistakes. Um, you will make mistakes when you start your investing journey and along the way. So don't let the fear of making them, I guess, stop you from starting. So um, we're going to try and touch on a few of the key ones that we've made so that you don't make the same. Yes. But before we do, a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, We are very excited about this Friday, the relaunch of uh, Meet, Pay, Love Season 2. No, no, mid-season break. Mid-season break. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Meet, Pay, Love, one of the podcasts in the Equity Mates uh, Media Network is is back. Uh, It's all about the money side of relationships and uh, our good old friends down in Melbourne, Carmel and Zoe, both sisters, have been working hard on the second half of this show. Uh, kicking off with everything that you need to be discussing about weddings and houses yeah, the first two episodes. Bu- buying a house, first cab off the rank, then weddings. Yes. Weddings, I think, are uh, particularly relevant for you at the moment. No, no, no. <laughs> well, maybe buying a house as well. Who knows? Oh, we're not buying a house for ages. No, right? that's true. <laughs> so, look, uh, tune in. If you haven't subscribed, make sure you do. If you have subscribed, uh, keep your uh, ears open for the relaunch this Friday where the girls talk about everything that you should be discussing with your partner or thinking about discussing with your partner if you don't yet have one uh, to do with buying a house. Mm. So tune in. Uh, It's uh, very exciting. Many of these conversations are a little bit taboo or you you don't talk money a lot with your partner traditionally um, and Carmel and Zoe are hoping to break down those barriers. Um, so if you have listened to the first half of the season, this week's the week to go back and re-listen, yep. get yourself G'd up for the second half of the season, or if you're new to it, go listen to it all. New episodes dropping Friday. Meet, pay, love. Check it out. All right, let's get stuck in. It's time to talk mistakes. Yeah. Now I want to, I want to start with, um, a well, well told story on equity mates and the story of my first mistake. But for me, there, there was a real lesson in there that I think is applicable for a lot of these mistakes. So for longtime listeners of the show, they will have heard that my very first investment was Slater and Gordon. I lost 99.9% of the money that I invested on that. So much so that I couldn't even cover the brokerage cost <laughs> to sell it. Yes. And so it sat in my portfolio for a while until Slater and Gordon cleaned up their share register last year or the year before. That sucked. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but then my second investment was A2 Milk. And despite its recent troubles, it was an incredibly good investment for me. And I made more than I lost on Slater and Gordon and then some. And for me, that the lesson that really came out of that that I think is broadly applicable here is there's an asymmetric upside when it comes to investing. And what I mean by that is like you can make a lot more than you can lose. And every one of these mistakes, if you learn from them and you correct it and you keep investing, you can more than cover whatever you lost by making that mistake. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the beauty of investing in that the stock market. That is the beauty market. of investing. Yes. Upside is usually, unless you're leveraging yourself, but um, true, true. <laughs> you can generally always make more than you put in. Now, look, um, before we actually do specifics there, this one has come from a community member, Jade Kyle. 
Uh, it's not a specific mistake, but one that we you know always talk about on the show that applies to not only Jade but many others, and that is not getting into the market earlier. Yes, opportunity cost. Get Big started. Get Think started. about all those years that we missed when like Google and Amazon oh, and no, Microsoft, no. Apple, Apple, if- IPO of Apple. We could have done it. Honestly, if you're a parent, the best thing you can do is get your kids investing when they're kids. Yes. Yeah. Unbelievable. All right. So the first mistake, um, well, the uh, umbrella, the umbrella, I guess, the umbrella mistake. What's the umbrella mistake? Not researching a company. Oh, okay. Well, let's just, let's just signpost this. So like we had a bit of fun in the office yesterday, um, just throwing out as many mistakes as possible, getting mistakes from the community. Um, but rather than just going through a random list, we've tried to group them into like different themes, I guess, just to give it some structure. And so, yeah, the first, the first, I guess, group of mistakes that we're going to talk about is not researching. Not researching a company. Yeah. So we'll, we'll kick it off with uh, a community mistake from Sam Miles. Uh, and he said that he saw a post in the Equity Mates community uh, about the meteoric overnight rise of a stock with the ticker ESK. So he did what every intelligent investor <laughs> does, and uh, that's buy it. Without doing any research, he bought it at $3.60, and then it plummeted back down to around $0.60 cents not long after. That would hurt. His lesson was to not jump on hype trains and actually do some research. That is going to be a recurring thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, everyone, most people have had that that moment where they jump on the hype train. Absolutely. The I've hi- had that moment. The hype train is a very enticing train. Oh, <laughs> man, you jumped on the Bitcoin hype train you, right at the top. You think uh, getting on the bullet train is enticing if you go to Japan. Just wait until you get enticed by the hype train. <laughs> So underneath not researching a company, there are a few specific mistakes. And the first one that we think is not actually having a clear thesis. And what do we mean by clear thesis? We mean not actually having a reason that you believe in which you should buy the company. Yeah. And I think, uh, so Nick in our Facebook community uh, shared this example. And I think this is a good example of having a thesis but the thesis not exactly relating to what you invest in. So um, he invested in a company, Duxton Water, um, which was a water, an ASX-listed water rights business. Um, it did absolutely nothing, apparently, and still trading at the same price three years later. And he had a clear thesis around water generally, like water is a scarce resource, water rights are going to become more valuable in Australia but the thesis didn't directly apply to this specific company. Mm. So he had like a industry thesis, but he invested in a company. Mm. And It's like on the right track. Oh, it definitely is. Yeah. But it's like if your thesis is industry level, find like a thematic ETF or an industry ETF or yeah. something. Yeah. yeah. Because in every industry, there'll be winners and losers. And if you don't have a thesis on the particular company you don't have a thesis on the thing you're investing in. Yeah, Yeah. so that's the mistake, not having a clear thesis. The way to avoid that is to ensure that you know why you are investing in something and then also make sure that the company you're investing in, if it's at a macro level, uh, make sure it matches that macro level thesis in a pretty clear and uh, accurate way. Mm, mm. Next uh, mistake under not researching a company is buying a company that you just do not understand. This is a classic, all, yeah. all-time classic. Everyone, um, Everyone's done this. Everyone's done it. And there's two things to this. There's probably the first one is 
buying a company when you know you don't understand it. Yes. And the second- Closing the eyes. Yeah, yeah following, you know, stock hype tip. or news or stock tip. The second one is thinking that you understand the company, but then realizing that you don't. Yeah. Um, and that one is a lot harder to realize until you've- realized you've made a mistake yeah and this is a tricky one because it's it's similar to the having a thesis and you you know you think okay lithium all right that's a macro trend all right let's buy a lithium miner um 10 lithium miners to choose from all right i'll choose the biggest um but do you actually understand lithium production do you understand what drives the costs of a lithium miner do you understand what goes into their you know, profit and loss. Mm. Um, if you don't understand all of those things, then to your point, you need to be looking much higher. Yeah, yeah. Or, or like you know, you say, and this this is a this is a poor example because it's an incredible company. But like you say, iron ore demand is at an all time high. Um, I want to invest in iron ore miners, and then you go to mineral resources because they mine some iron ore. Little do you know that the majority of their revenue comes from ore processing. Yeah. And I mean, that example is poor because it's still tied to the price of iron ore. But um, it, it's about understanding like ha- w- what the company does, how the company actually makes money. Or, you know, a, maybe another example is Tesla, where the reason they're profitable isn't because they sell cars at a positive margin. It's because they sell regulatory credits. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, mistake buying a company you don't understand, make sure you understand what it's doing. The next one is, it's, this is a good one, not understanding the competition mm. uh, against companies that you're investing in. Yeah. Companies can be great, but if there's a better company out there, then it may not work out. So, someone uh, in the Facebook group, Dale, uh, put a put a story, one of his stories in there that uh, we thought illustrated that well. Um, so, we bought a small biopharmaceutical company, Benetech, uh, that had a promising RNA treatment for hepatitis. Everything looked good. He actually quadrupled his money. But then Johnson & Johnson, the uh, one of the big, big hitters in the pharmaceutical industry, released a competing treatment and blew them out of the market. Tough. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, everything can be right. Your thesis can be right. The product can be good. But if you're not aware of who else is competing in that market and what they're producing, then it could all fall apart. Absolutely. Um, the next one, and every, I'm sure, you know, 99% of the community have done this, I've done it, and that is uh, following a stock tip. Yeah, this is this is the one we had the most examples for. It's a classic. It is an all-time classic. I am foul of this one. We had a mate um, who... Shall uh, remain nameless. Shall remain <laughs> nameless. You know, and uh, a mate that we respect and uh, is is intelligent and uh, came to us w- with a, I would say a specky stock tip, uh, but- we, uh, And it wasn't Specky McGee. It wasn't Specky McGee. Uh, so the story goes that he came with a stock tip. He had said that he'd even met with the management of this company. Uh, he'd had the presentation from the management that he flicked through. Uh, you know, saw great potential X, Y, and Z. Uh, this all came through in about a 10 minute conversation. Very convincing. So uh, put my money in and uh, it subsequently did nothing uh, except lose me money. What I found uh, was the biggest mistake though is people love to give you a stock tip, but they never tell you when they sell 
or or when they get out. Yeah. So here I am holding this thing for way too long. I message my mate, you know, look, when when are you going to get out of this thing? Oh, mate, I got out of that thing years ago. Yeah, yeah, And it's just yeah. like, come on, you're throwing out stock tips, but you're not giving them, <laughs> yeah, giving yeah. us the heads up on when we get out. So, look, massive lesson learned. I have never taken a stock tip since that point in time. And I think really that that story covers not only taking a stock tip, but not understanding what the company does and not having a thesis. Yeah. Um, that's, so, that's, it's all of the above. That's why we grouped them together. That's why we grouped them together, <laughs> yeah. But look, um, I'm sure there are pr- plenty of other stories out there. So, we've got heaps more of uh, those following. We've got heaps more examples for all of these. We probably don't have time to rip into all of them, so maybe we'll do some social posts around them. We'll only use first names. We won't name and shame anyone. A couple more in not doing your research, FOMO investing, fear, yeah. fear of missing out, something that you're quite guilty of. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Michael in the Facebook group uh, told us about his second and third investment uh, where he both of them he bought due to FOMO, um, when he saw their share prices rocketing in one day, turns out he bought both of them at the peak and they went downhill from there. And, you know, I'm pretty good at not investing for FOMO, but God, it sucks when you see like points bet jump, you know, 80% in a day or like, you know, some of these companies just jump up and you're like, damn it, I knew about that company. I was thinking about that company, but I didn't invest in it. But it is once it makes that big move. You may be too late. Close your eyes. Yeah, get out of there. Uh, and then last one around not doing research, catching a falling knife. Yeah. A very jargon, uh, a heavily used term in investing, investing jargon. So when you say catching a falling knife, it's basically you see a stock has fallen. You think, God, it looks cheap here. I'm going to buy it because it's cheap. It's got to rebound, but it doesn't rebound. It keeps falling. And um, someone, Ainsley, in our Facebook group shared the story where she bought Telstra shares because they were down. She thought they would have to rebound. But unfortunately for Australia's biggest telco, it keeps falling down and she's down almost 50% on those shares. Yeah. So look, the the moral of the story here really is there's plenty of reasons that you can uh, make mistakes around not researching a company. And as we said at the start, it is highly likely that you will make some of these mistakes. We have certainly done so. The key is to try and avoid them by actually doing a bit of research before you invest, having a clear idea in your mind about what the company is, why you're investing in them, uh, not worrying about what your mates are saying and sticking to your guns. Um, I think those are probably the, the key takeaways. We'll cover a lot of uh, that in next episode with cognitive biases. But let's, uh, let's move on to the next mistake. The next group of mistakes is falling in love. And oftentimes falling in love is not a mistake. But yes. when, but as an investor, it can be. You got to be you got to be ruthless and analytical when it comes to your investments. Um, so the probably the biggest mistake here is falling in love with a company and not selling it despite the reason that you're buying it not being true anymore. So your thesis is broken. The reason that you bought the company in the first place doesn't hold. But you're like, oh, the manager's so good or oh, I love what this company does. It's changing the world. And so you're like, I'm going to hold on. Rookie. Yeah, you don't want to do Mistake. that. Mistake. Yeah. Yeah. David Einhorn, who's a famous New York investor, um, billionaire, has a rule. It's called the no broken thesis rule. And you have to, when you pitch a stock, you have to say why you're buying it. 
if that reason no longer holds, you have to sell. No ifs, no buts, no maybes, no no new justifications. If the thesis, the original thesis is broken, you're out. Yeah, yeah. well, that makes sense. Yeah. The other part of falling in love is, um, this is a classic as well, waiting for a company to get back to your purchase price. Mm. And that's really falling in love with your ego in some way and the purchase price. It's anchoring, which we'll talk about in cognitive biases. Oh, I'll sell when it, you know, it might dip. Oh, I'll sell when it gets back to even and then I won't have lost any money. No, absolutely rookie. There's no guarantee of that. That is a mistake and we will discuss how to avoid that uh, in our next episode. But just be aware that if you are currently in that position waiting for it to get back, um, you really need to think about what you're doing. On that that vein, I'm going to slip another one in here that we had later, but it's similar around anchoring to a price. um, You know, one side of that is... um, I'll wait for it to get back to what I bought it at. The other side is it can't get any lower. Oh, that is an absolute classic as well. It can't get any lower. Um, we had a, uh, a community member, Aaron, give us his story where he bought a stock with no research over a decade ago in the geothermal energy field. He saw two consolidations, multiple cap raises, um, and pardon the jargon there, but the average buy price for him ended up being around 50 cents after multiple purchases throughout the years. It then hit 0.001 cent a couple of times, uh, ended up selling it, and you know it really just was a loss um, of six months of salary. <laughs> so... Look, um, the the lesson there is it can't go any lower. His stock went to 0.001 cent. These things can just keep going. Well, I mean, they can go to zero. They can go to zero. Yeah, if it's not at zero, if <laughs> the company is, has a share price, it can go lower. Yeah, so- And, and people often see uh, shares at one cent. It, this is really common in the crypto markets. It's one cent. If it goes to two cents, I'll have doubled, doubled my, my money. money. But like, it doesn't work like that. It, it it's just as hard for something to go up a hundred percent as it is, you know, at, at whatever level. It's, yeah. It's not just because it's a low share price doesn't make it easier for it to go up. Yeah. Going from a hundred to two hundred is the same as going from one cent to two cent. Mm. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, before we crack into the mistake of trying to get rich quick, we'll take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. All right, Ren, you know, there's a reason everyone invests and that is to make money. However, a lot of people start the game and try and do it very, very, very quickly. We try try here on Get Started Investing and over on Equity Mates to uh, drill in the point that you get rich slow. Mm. Try and get rich slow, you just might do it. Yes, but trying to get rich quick is a mistake in our eyes. 
and um, a lot of people try and do it. Yeah. Now, one of the uh, most common ways that people try and get rich quick is overtrading. Overtrading. What do we mean by that? Uh, it means you think about the Wolf of Wall Street, you think about Wall Street in the movie, you think about uh, trading desks full of people yelling into phones, buy, sell, buy, sell. You think of trading setups you see in memes and on TV with like multiple screens and charts and all that stuff and you think that's what investing is and you buy and you sell and you buy and you sell all day every day trying to make money quickly. Why is that a mistake? Well, number one, it's incredibly hard to beat the market um, and number two, uh, you incur a lot of fees um, but number three is you're not owning companies and letting them grow mm, into the their value. You're just trying to play the psychological game of what the market's giving you. And yeah, some people do it well, but you're competing against supercomputers and uh, people with more information and more experience than you. Yeah. yeah. The second mistake in the trying to get rich quick category is to use leverage. In other words, is to borrow money to put into the stock market to try and accelerate your returns. Now, if you're an experienced investor, there is some uh, advantages in safely borrowing money to invest. However, if you're using money from a credit card, if you're taking out a personal loan at 15% interest- Well, that, that, is, that is a funny example that you use. Why is that? Well, because someone in our Facebook community did exactly that. That hurts. Yeah, uh, which I think you knew deep down. <laughs> yeah. if, if you are doing that and then blindly uh, taking bets on the stock market, it can go horribly wrong and south very, very quickly, and you can end up losing more money than you actually put in. So I think that's the the critical point that we should just sit on for a second. If you're like me and you make a bad investment in Slater and Gordon, you lose your money. But it's the money that you have and that's okay. If you if you get leverage, if you borrow money and you lose it, you can lose more than you started with and you end up owing the bank or owing the, the person that loans you the money. In debt. Yeah. And that is not good. So that's the first problem with leverage, that you may end up owing money. You lose more than you have. The second problem is this um, interest rate question. So you mentioned um, the 15%. Adro in our Facebook group told us a story about how early in his investing journey, he got a 10 grand personal loan, 15% interest to put into a managed fund. Now, what's the uh, average return of the stock market? Over how many years? No, annually, annually. About 10%. Okay. If you can get 10%, but you have to pay 15% interest on the money, would you do it? No, you're losing money. You're losing money. Yeah. Even, so, even though you're getting that juicy 10% return. So that's the other problem with leverage. Now, first problem, you can lose more than you have. Second problem is you need to make sure your returns cover your interest payments. Yes. Yeah. So the third mistake in terms of trying to get rich quick comes from having a lack of patience or selling too quickly to try and lock in those profits or maybe uh, get a loss off the table. Um, this one hurts. Yeah, this one does hurt. And, and patience, this has probably been my biggest learning throughout my journey of investing, and that is patience um, and letting companies do their thing over a long period of time. Um, and there's no better example than Afterpay, I would suggest for a lot of people in our community. Mm. Lisa, she says there's just another Afterpay tragedy. 
bought in March 2019 after seeing Nick Molnar, who is the founder and C- uh, CEO. No, I don't think he's CEO, but he's one of the founders, speak at uh, a conference. She then freaked out and sold at uh, March 2020, which was the COVID drop. I'm assuming it was down near the $9 mark, which was the bottom. Probably a loss for her as well, yeah. would have been a loss. And uh, as she said, it was an absolute rookie mistake because the stock then went from about $9 to $160 at its peak not too long ago. So um, That one hurts. That really hurts. How about this for hurting? Um, And Kush in our Facebook group. Bought fifteen grand worth of Tesla shares at around forty-five dollars a share. Sold them for sixty-five dollars a share. Made about eight k on the trade. Not bad. Not bad. Tesla has had a stock split in that time. Yeah, and is now trading at six hundred dollars a share. Yes, that hurts. That hurts. (laughs) That would be up what a few hundred. No shares would be. Worth a few hundred grand at this point? Yeah, 225,000. Jeez, quick maths from you. Uh, he wrote it here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think the lesson here is, is twofold. It's, um, yeah, selling too quickly, but it's, 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 it's hard. You shouldn't, be, you shouldn't be kicking yourself for making a profit. Like, you know, he's made an 8K trade. You can't, you don't have a crystal ball and look into the future. Mm. But it, if you're selling just to lock in a profit, but your thesis for buying hasn't yeah. changed, yeah. Why ask yourself why are you changing? If you bought Tesla thinking it's going to be the leading electric vehicle car manufacturer in twenty years time, and you bought it in two thousand and nineteen and sold it the year after, why are you selling that if it if you still believe you think it's going to be the leading electric vehicle manufacturer in twenty years time? Yeah, if you think that like Volkswagen is doing better than Tesla and your thesis is broken, that makes sense to sell. But yeah, if, if your thesis isn't broken, yeah, let it play out. This lack of patience is a is a real um, real one that um, you're known for. That's why you're known as the bad doctor. No, because <laughs> <laughs> you've got no patience. That is a sh- that is a shocker. That is a shocker. All right, uh, let's move on. Risk management tough to do as a big beginner investor. Risk management, Manage yeah, your it's, risk. A, it's a big term, but there's some simple steps that everyone can take and probably intuitively understand. And the first one is investing more than you can actually afford to. And what we mean by that is not borrowing money to invest. But Although that is one way to do that it. That is one way to do it. But it's putting money in the market that you may need to be drawing on later in life or within the next couple of months to pay car rego or to pay for a holiday or to pay for fees to go to the doctors. Well, let's let's talk about some examples from our Facebook group. Sure. So Brock, uh, his first investment, uh, brought, bought a couple of shares, um, spent most of his savings on it. And then a few months later, he got a couple of speeding fines, had to sell the shares at a loss to cover the fines. Yeah, that's a perfect Hate example. To Hate to Have an that, emergency yeah. fund. Yes. Uh, Daniel, another example. Uh, he bought Next DC, had a solid thesis for it. The price started to move in the right direction, and then he had to sell it to buy an engagement ring. Uh, congratulations, Daniel. But Next DC continued running, and he would have doubled his money if he stayed in it. Got to have the cash so on the side for that. Hopefully, you're engaged. So, congratulations. Uh, but 
should have been saving cash and not putting it in the market. Yes, two great examples of not putting in what you can't afford. Honestly, um, just do what Bryce does and never get engaged because that money could be better spent <laughs> in the stock market. <laughs> true, true, yeah. <laughs> Highly illiquid. Uh, to close out risk management, not keeping track of your investments is another one that uh, you know it, it's okay to not look at your investments for a month, but just be on top of what you are invested in, um, particularly if it's individual companies. Um, you know, we do a review every sort of quarter and have a look at how everything's going. Mm. Um, but you should be tracking what is going on. There's there's two there's two elements to that. The first one is exactly what you're talking about. The once you've bought it, have like a routine to check it. Don't check it every day because it'll just create head noise. But have a routine. We do it quarterly. Some people do it monthly. So that, that's the first one. The second one is keep track of why you buy stuff. Have a Google Doc like I do. Have an Excel spreadsheet like Bryce does. Have a pen and paper notebook. Write down why you're buying stuff. Keep track of it. Yeah, absolutely. And then also uh, you can manage risk by diversifying and a mistake that uh, often a lot of people get into is going too hard too early on one one or two stocks and, and uh, burning those bridges pretty quickly and getting put off. So we would suggest start small, start wide, and then become more confident as you go. Yeah. All right. So to close out, we've got some other common mistakes that we will do a bit of a rapid fire here that didn't fit into the umbrellas above, but we think are worth taking note of. So just like trying to um, catch a falling knife, friend, trying to time the market is a classic. Yeah, it's a classic trying to analyze charts and volume and all that stuff. Some people do it well, but it is incredibly hard to do. And a lot of people have left a lot of returns on the table because they haven't started investing because they thought it was the wrong time. Yeah. It's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. One of my favorite <laughs> sayings. Um, Ren, not having clear goals is a mistake that a lot of people get into. And, you know, you don't have to have a two page rundown of your life story and why you're investing. You just need to have a few clear ideas on what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, and people often wonder why goals are important. The simplest way to understand it is there's a lot of ways to make money in the market. There's a lot of time frames in which you can make money and like different assets, different investment strategies lend themselves to different like time frames and different goals. If you don't have the goal and you're just like I want to make more money, you won't be able like a clear strategy won't come from that. You know, Having a goal sort of sets up the parameters about how you want to invest, what you want to invest in. Um, so that's why it's important. Yeah. Um, another one, paying too much in fees. At equity, equity Mates, our number one policy here is we hate fees. So uh, try to avoid them as much as possible. Uh, the most obvious fee is brokerage. And there are many ways in which you can pay too much brokerage over trading or whatnot. But the clear thing to remember here is that um, when you pay buy a stock, you know you're going to pay brokerage. Um, you actually need to make up that difference in uh, in brokerage before you can start making money on the stock. So yeah, try to avoid paying too high a percentage in terms of brokerage. This was a classic one from James in our Facebook group. So you know how uh, Comsec do up to a thousand dollars, ten dollars a trade, and then a thousand dollars and more, twenty bucks a trade. Yeah. He, uh, I don't know if he misread it or he just didn't think about it, but he made a trade for exactly a thousand, 
And that's the first. So if you did $999, it's $10 brokerage, yeah. but he did 1000 so it's 20 bucks. Just stuff like that is uh, it's, it's easy money that you're giving the, the it's broker. Killer. It's yeah. killer. It's killer. Another one, and this was a big one for us that we often talk about, and that is uh, reacting to media or listening to too much noise. Yeah. Uh, look, we hate the day-to-day noise of the stock market. There are so many people in the market that have an incentive to get you to do things, yeah. to get you to click download or read, and obviously we're in the media business, but also to get you to buy things. Like The whole stock market is orientated around activity. The ASX makes money. All the product issuers make money. The world is in the the stock market world is set up to encourage activity, and it does encourage activity. And you got to be really conscious about blocking out the noise. But this one isn't. This story from Simon in our Facebook group isn't related to um, the stock market per se. But I think it is a classic example of reacting to the media. He was watching a TV show called Gold Rush. Um, and was motivated by that to go onto eBay, buy gold discovery tools, a prospecting license, and then he headed off to Gympie to try and dig a gold nugget up the river there. Um, he picked a spot, realized that his $50, uh, $50 worth of gear was no match for the riverbed. And after 15 minutes of skimming moss off the top of rocks, he... Uh, gave up and drove the hour back home. Unbelievable. There you go. That's the power of TV and the media. (laughs) Unbelievable. Um, A couple of other mistakes, chasing high dividend yield. That's a bit of jargon there, but that means buying a stock because because it's going to pay a good dividend doesn't mean the company itself is any good. So just be aware of that. No, this is is actually... Uh, one that we see a lot and you know you look at like a yahoo stock screener or whatever google finance yahoo finance and it's like dividend yield is eight percent and then you're like oh that dividend is incredible i'm going to buy it though those numbers are always based on the last year's dividend and they'll change um so like if a share price is falling dividends will likely also fall um so a lot of people in the Facebook group ask, you know, this stock's share price has fallen, its dividend yield looks so good. That alone shouldn't be a reason to buy the stock because the dividend yield is based on the last dividend paid. Mm, mm. Yeah. Um, trusting the wrong financial advisor or fund manager. So do your own research when it comes to choosing those um, t- people who are going to give you advice. You're not locked into the first advisor. No. That's, um, that's the key rule there. And also knowing how your platform and product works, particularly when it comes to some of the thematic ETFs and leveraged ETFs that are out there. Um, not everything is built and constructed the same way. So always have a look under the hood at how um, the products you're investing in work as well as platforms because there's different fees, there's different ways to execute trades. So um, again, you're not locked into any platform, so you can have a bit of a a bit of a, uh, a look around. We uh, we made a mistake about this. One of the only apologies we've ever had to make on the Equimates uh, journey is we were talking about a BetaShares product and um, misunderstood how the leverage, internal leverage in the ETF worked. So, you know... Um, it, yeah, you got to do your research. Stephen in our Facebook group similarly um, talked about how he was dabbling in bear ETFs without knowing how they actually work. Jared uh, 
told us about his brother-in-law who uh, didn't know you needed a cash account connected to a brokerage account and ended up in debt to Commonwealth Bank. Um, so you just got to understand how, how some of these things work. So Ren, plenty of mistakes there that I'm sure a lot of the community have made. We've made plenty of them ourselves. The good news is we've learnt from a lot of them and are trying to pass on some of the lessons that we've made to the rest of the Get Started Investing community. But in the next episode is the more important part. We're going to be discussing some of the cognitive biases that underlie all of these mistakes and actually how you can start to recognize uh, the mistakes that you're making and how to try and avoid them. So um, stick around for next episode. That's what we're going to be discussing. So that is the end of Get Started Investing. If you're feeling ready to dip your toe into the Equity Mates feed, however, we suggest that the ASX Week episodes um, in our main feed from last week might be the perfect place to start for you. They're all inspired by the best content from the ASX Investor Day that we went to a couple of weeks ago. You may have seen it on Instagram. And these are sessions that were designed specifically for the regular retail investor. So a lot of great information in there that cover a wide variety of topics. Go have a listen. You'll see it in your feed, ASX Investor Week. There should be about five episodes. Uh, And remember, you can always tell us what you are thinking and we'd love to hear your feedback. Email us at contact at equitymates.com. But Ren, as always, great to chat stocks. We'll pick it up next week. Can't wait. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.